Welcome to Sanity, a podcast to help you keep yours in today's divisive political climate. I'm your host, Audrey Scagnelli, and I hope you'll join me in this quest for optimism in a post-2016 world. I'm currently speaking with Jenna Lee Babin. She is the founder of Smarter News, a startup that is really building an exciting community for women and men who are hungry for nonpartisan, facts-forward information. Jenna was a co-anchor at Fox News for seven years before taking this leap of faith. So Jenna, thank you so much for joining Sanity. Audrey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. And on your mission too, you got a great mission going on here and aptly titled, I should mention as well. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) In February, you had a line in your weekly newsletter that really stuck with me. And I'd love to start by reading it and asking if you could explain the reasoning. You wrote, when news coverage has no context, it can provide an empty stage for a single source to stand under the spotlight and define the times. They become an unrestricted storyteller. I think we have a lot of unrestricted storytellers in the news environment right now, and you are not one of them. So what inspired you to to jump into your own spotlight, but one that I would say has a lot of sanity in it? Well, I appreciate that. That was an interesting time, writing that piece, because it was related to the Jesse Smollett case that was unraveling in Chicago. It was a real pivotal moment for Smarter News because in the prior weeks, I really struggled about covering the story. In fact, we didn't cover the Jesse Smollett story at all. You know, the mission of Smarter News is quick, concise, nonpartisan news. I'm only going to put in front of you something that I think is really important in your life or adds value. And the problem with the Jesse Smollett case was there was a very serious allegation, but very little information. And it made me uncomfortable for several different reasons. And so even though we would prepare information for this site, I ended up not publishing any of it because it always got to a point where I felt we don't have the second source. We don't have the third source. We really have nothing except for this one allegation. And I'm uncomfortable without a little more information. And so at the end of that week, when that newsletter came out, we finally heard a more complete story that involved the perspective of the Chicago Police Department that said at the time and still does that these allegations were made up. What inspires me now is really thinking about the consumer, the person, the American that really wants solid information. And they are bombarded on a regular basis with so much content, so much quantity, but not really high quality information. And so I think the news in many ways adds a lot of clutter to their life instead of helping to illuminate what's going on in the world. I mean, that's the job of a journalist is supposed to make, like while people are out living their real lives, (laughs) you know, going to work, taking care of their kids, doing the things that they need to do, they should be able to turn towards a journalist who's providing a customer service. So if they have 20 seconds or they have five minutes, get something of value that actually adds to their day and gives them something that they can think about or potentially repeat to others, a fact that they could depend upon. And so what I'm trying to do with Smarter News is become that destination, that source that provides not only nonpartisan, disciplined information for my consumer, but also is a place that people know when they come to us that we're really thinking about them. And we don't want to just put anything all the time in front of them just for the sake of doing it. We actually are thoughtful about the process. I'm hoping that's what makes us different. 
You talk often about customer service in news, and I think that you're the first person I've heard use that term when it comes to being a news consumer. Well, I, it's all about customer service. You know, Audrey, I, um, before I was in, went to New York City, I was able to get into Columbia's Graduate School of Journalism, which was totally, by the way, I just submitted my application thinking I wasn't going to get accepted. (laughs) And at the time I was working like, I don't know, five different jobs trying to support myself. I was a freelance writer for a district newspaper and just trying to piece together enough clips to get to my next step, whatever that was as a journalist. And one of the things I was doing is I was waitressing. And I ended up really liking waitressing because... I liked providing customer service. Like I liked people coming into the restaurant and then making them feel better. I liked delivering them something of value and talking to them about their day and being maybe just for a moment, like a positive influence. I really enjoyed that that customer service. And many years later, after going to journalism school and being rejected all over the place and taking all sorts of other odd jobs, I wound up to be this national news anchor. And when I was sitting on set, I realized that it really wasn't that different than a waitress, except you were wearing a lot more makeup <laughs> and people treated you a little bit better. <laughs> but you're doing the same thing. You know, you're trying to deliver something that is quality, that makes someone feel better, that you hope that they're your moment in their life that actually provides something nice. And so, yeah, divided by a few layers of makeup and maybe a a difference of social status. But at the end of the day, that's what a journalist is really about. It's all about customer service. We call it news service because it's supposed to be a customer service. And I think we've gotten so far away from that where we're really not even thinking about the consumer anymore. That's part of the reason why there's such discontent with the news media today. A lot of what we talk about at Sanity is what everyday people and people from all walks of life are doing to try to tackle some of our growing partisan divides. And so Smarter News is all about quick access to solid nonpartisan information. That's how you describe yourselves. We're in a climate right now where a lot of media, especially cable TV, is so charged, is so partisan how have you cultivated a platform that doesn't take that bait and rises above it? It's easy. You just don't do it. I mean, people talk about this partisan news environment like it's always been that way and that it's always going to be this way and everyone needs their opinion. Actually, that's not true. If you operate with just the tiniest bit of discipline, you can provide straight news. And for the longest time, even before I was trying to figure out, I decided I was leaving Fox and I was interviewing at several different networks and trying to figure out my next step. You know, across the board, the feedback was, well, everybody in news needs a point of view these days. You know, if you don't have a point of view, you're not going to succeed. And I just thought that was crazy. That's not what the consumer was telling me. I mean, I was in touch with our viewers at Fox News and beyond through social media. People were looking for just solid information. They weren't just looking for a debate. You know, they weren't just looking for opinion. You know, it's one thing to offer people two different things, you know, offer them straight news, an opinion and see that the straight news doesn't succeed, right? Then, okay, fine. Then everyone only wants opinion. But I thought, no, I I think if you actually put straight news in a way that's easy to consume in front of people that they enjoy, that they're going to like it. And that's exactly what happened with Smarter News, which is that people do need information that's not being yelled at them or delivered in an antagonizing way. And there's plenty of opinion in the world. I mean, you don't have to search hard for it. 
you have to search hard to find what the facts are. And I just wanted to make it a little bit easier for people. So that was my contribution, like what you're talking about into the you know nonpartisan space is I don't, whatever our reader thinks about America or politics is totally up to them because it's a respect issue. I respect them enough to think I work for you. I'm actually trying to deliver you information. So then you feel more confident in your decisions, but whatever those decisions or choices are, are up to you. That's a respect issue. If I don't respect you and I think you cannot make up your own mind or that you're not bright enough or you can't really figure things out, I'm going to talk to you differently. And I think that's part of the reason we're seeing this, the way that news is delivered today in such a partisan way, because it's not just about opinion news and people trying to be famous because of their own opinions. I think it's about devaluing the consumer and the citizen themselves who are much more independent thinking than anyone wants to give them credit for. That always really bothered me in news. I mean, it always has. And, you know, I don't want to repeat that mistake. People are smart. And I think I worked on the campaign trail and in politics. And I too often would come across people in that world too that painted a picture or made a preconceived notion about every single voter. If you fit into this category or that category, therefore, you know, you're worthy or you're not worthy. It's a dangerous thing. And I think it contributes to some of the problems that we have right now. So you, you start off most of your followers' mornings with a live, quick take on what's happening in the world on any given day. But you do this in a unique way. <laughs> you have two adorable children. You're expecting a third. And you have Smarter News Coffee Talk. You have a coffee mug in hand. You've got two kids. You're making breakfast. And you're delivering the news. So... You have managed to deliver hard news and hard facts, but still with personality. Because I think sometimes it's very difficult for people to see perhaps you can, you can do both. You can have straight news, but you can have a personality. You're, you're so right. And I think that's why people go so far down the opinion road, because they think that's the only way to show their personality, which is just not true. I mean, I, there's, there's all sorts of ways. I started to do Coffee Talk that way because my customer was really asking for more of like a a live news feed. And I didn't really know how to do it because I do have two toddlers and I do have a husband that travels a lot and I'm trying to build a business and keep my sanity. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I was like, there's no way. I mean, how am I ever going to do this? Once a week, maybe, I don't know. And then one day I just thought the only time I'm really in one place where it's not totally crazy is around breakfast time. You know, everyone's sort of waking up. And at that point, the site is usually ready for the day. So I know what what we've prepared for the day and people like news in the morning. So I thought, well, I'm just going to talk to them, you know, while breakfast happens. And listen, there's been great days where it's really worked very well. And there's been days like a couple days last week where it it was a total disaster, totally didn't work. (laughs) So I'm constantly tweaking it. I think the maximum amount of time that people really have is probably like eight minutes. I think 10, you're pushing it. Anything over 10 is tough. But if I can give you three things to think about for the day and we kind of touch base, you know, like it's a very personal thing to be able to talk to someone live or or whenever they're able to watch the video and see a little bit of of my life. And I like sharing just a little, you know, nothing that's going to overshadow the news, but something that maybe makes the news most relevant. In fact, there's been a couple of times where my toddler has sort of chimed in, my older one, who's four. And, you know, it's actually added perspective to the news story that was really valuable because sometimes we are talking talking about children, or we are talking about the impact on the American family, or we are talking about things that really do affect us at the breakfast table. And so it's worked out pretty well. And I'm hoping to continue it maybe in a more contained way. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm hoping there are some moments where it gets a little too distracting, but you know, this is all, this is part of me learning too, as an entrepreneur is that, you know, my kids are going to be in school someday and coffee talk is going to change. It's going to be a little bit different. So, but it's been a really fun environment. And I think in a lot of ways, it's so the opposite of what I was doing. I was on television. You had these beautiful lights, you have this great hair and makeup teams, beautiful outfits. And yet your ability to connect with people is somehow limited because you are sort of distant, even, even if you are in their living room. And now I've gone totally the other extreme, which is you've seen me in the morning. I'm not wearing any makeup. I barely brush my hair, let alone my teeth. And like, but this is the new, like the priority is not how I look. The priority is actually in making sure that you have the news that you need for the day and that you can play it and learn something or, you know, have something of value, get a little something from it. And so in that way, I think it's an interesting metaphor for what Smarter News is about. And if it takes me appearing with, you know, looking like a crazy person a couple of times a week, then I'm all for that. It's crazy, but it's authentically crazy. <laughs> it's true. It's definitely not contrived. I mean, that is my real crazy life. That's actually happening in front of our eyes. Yeah. As you've continued to grow in your reach of followers, I've noticed that more and more people feel comfortable commenting and providing kind of commentary while you're doing these live videos, but also on other posts as well. I talk about this with a lot of guests on Sanity because the kinds of stories we tell are people who are trying to create authentic communities offline, online, a little bit of both. And I think that you've created that you've taken photos from contributors or, or from followers rather, and have used them as contributing photos, like natural disasters. You've built relationships with your, with your followers that are personal. How have you slowly but surely worked towards creating a meaningful online community? Well, first of all, it's important to have an authentic intention. I think people can read you for a phony right away. So I think that's been helpful. Smarter News comes from a genuine desire to provide nonpartisan news that people can trust and enjoy. And so that's carried through. And even when there's ups and downs of like figuring out things as a startup, the, the community has stayed with me as I've done this. And then when I ask for help and ask for feedback, they're very vocal. I mean, I really think that social media is definitely a key for me. I mean, we've developed this website, Smarter News, that does all sorts of cool things. But the reality is, is that people are driving on the highway of social media. And if you're not a billboard on that highway, it's hard to compete. So I really use Instagram. Instagram is where so many consumers are these days. I think they're more often there than Google. It's more of a place where they do feel comfortable. And if someone directs a message to me on Instagram, I read every single one. I do develop a relationship. I mean, right now we're almost at 14,000 followers on Instagram, but I could tell you about different ones. If you know, I know a couple girls out in California by name. I know a couple of girls in Florida, men and women, by the way. I'm just thinking the ones off the top of my head that I have corresponded with. And it's just being available to them. I mean, as an, a media exec in a major broadcast network, you almost try to close yourself off from your audience because you don't want the negative feedback. But I think it's important just to be constantly in touch with them. I ask them questions, ask for feedback. And then when I get the feedback, I actually read it. That's how I know the community. And then you can make connections. And once you start seeing that people you know, are authentic themselves, not everyone's who they say they are in social media, but if you can fact check them a little bit, then you know what's a good reporter? A good reporter is someone that goes in the field and like can give you a firsthand account of what's going on. Well, we've had a couple of people that have been really close to major stories, and you know I won't turn them into a reporter and put them in a role that they're not comfortable with. But if they have a picture and a story to share, like why why not help share that with the rest of the community if it adds something? So 
that's been great. I mean, and that's eventually going to be the goal of Smarter News is that we become this network where people know, okay, this is like, I use this example a lot, but <laughs> it makes sense in Texas. It, it did it when I lived in New York because there was only one Chick-fil-A in New York, but in Texas, there's a lot of Chick-fil-A's. Chick-fil-A is a fast food restaurant. If you're unfamiliar with Chick-fil-A that you go and it's really consistent across the board, you know, like, you know what you're going to get, you know, you're going to actually get some nice service most of the time. That's eventually the goal for Smarter News is that we move into something that's both national. So we have Smarter News as an umbrella company, but then also have our Smarter News kind of outlets, whether it's, you know, Smarter Massachusetts or Smarter Boston or so we get both national news, but also some local flavor as well, because I think that's really important for people. Can you talk a little bit about what your team is like right now and how you information gather? Because it is not an easy feat. I'm building off of what I did as a news anchor. So every day as a news anchor, I'd have to skim the newspapers and kind of pick what I thought was the most interesting, or if there were interviews, read in depth on a topic in a short period of time so I can conduct the interview in a quality way. So I'm sort of using those same skills. I'm the main editor of information. I have a small team of people. It was three, now it's two. They both produce content at times, but also serve as copy editors as well and fact checkers. And I do the same with their work. So nothing is published on the site. Very rarely, if there, if it's a kind of an emergency situation where clearly the facts can be double sourced, then fine. But very rarely is that the case. Most of the content on the site is checked multiple times so that we can be certain that we're providing good information. And so it's, a, I mean, it's an incredibly small team. I hope that I can grow it someday. We need to grow. We're at a very important point where I think after this year, we can see where we can go, if we can add more people. And so we're trying to figure out how to do that. We're small and we're mighty. That's what I like to say. And, and it's people all with the right intentions too. In high school, I was an intern for a local TV station in Gainesville, Florida, WCJB TV 20. And I reflect on an experience I had there often because when we talk about partisan and nonpartisan and fact selection, this little experience I had really taught me a lot. I was assisting a reporter who was covering the story of a plane crash. It was a small plane and the pilot had died in the crash. And we spent our day speaking with people that owned the facility where the flight had taken off from, with the plane manufacturing company. We had a really difficult conversation with the woman who is now a widow. So we had, I mean, hours of content and footage. And we had to take all of this day's work of this really horrible story and turn it into like a 30-second package, maybe a minute. There was bias that went into creating that package because how could there not be? So can you talk a little bit about this climate that we're in now? And I mean, even in this conversation, we've been talking about partisan and nonpartisan information and news, but there's bias beyond political bias. So how do you as a journalist navigate that to try to tell the best story that you can in a short period of time? What you're calling bias, I would call prioritizing. There is a bias or a selection process when you're dealing with a lot of information. And you have to think, well, what is my priority? You might, and that's one of the most difficult things as a journalist, because anything that you just described would make an amazing story. I mean, it'd be great to have a two minute package on where this person took off and what about this plane and of course the family. But at the end of the day, you had to figure out, well, what is the priority I need to give to my viewer? And that is your professional judgment. And that's why I say, you know, journalists don't have a license to practice. They have their integrity. And that that is a product of 
practicing your news judgment. And there is a certain, like I said, I don't know if I would use the word bias. I think I would use the word prioritizing or you have to be discriminating with the information and really think about, okay, what am I trying to deliver here? What's the most important thing today? Let's say less than 24 hours after the plane crashed to deliver. And what would be more important tomorrow? And how do I figure that out? How do I navigate that? You know, there is something about being a professional journalist and being put in those situations. So, you know, the first time that you're dealing with that, you know, terrible story, it's, it's overwhelming. I mean, I've been there and you didn't describe it that way. You've described it totally well. It sounds like it was a phenomenal learning experience, but as you deal with these different scenarios, you can become better at kind of figuring out, okay, what, what do people really need to know? What do I need to focus on? What are the voices that I need? And then if that formula works that you can, you're able to repeat it sort of like, like a doctor or a lawyer, except like I said, you don't have that license. You didn't earn it. You have to show it on a regular basis that you have a certain amount of professionalism and a way of prioritizing information that makes the most sense for the viewer. Mm -hmm. So there are times in today's climate where how we're prioritizing information is showing a political bias and the way that we're telling the story and the style that we're telling the story and the words that we're using. And that's why that comes back to discipline because you can sometimes go off on the wrong foot. You just have to learn how to pull yourself back to the center and think, okay, wait a minute, that word actually, someone could take it in this way. And you really have to think about your viewer, your listener. If I'm delivering this information to them, how could they potentially take it? Is it as clear and, and concise as I want it to be? So, I mean, that's just, a, that's a skill and it demands practice and it demands discipline and also demands making some mistakes that then you get pulled back. I mean, that happens to all of us. The problem is, is when the style becomes so I don't want to say exaggerated, but it can become so clearly partisan that you're not sure that a journalist is prioritizing the right information. You think that they might actually be delivering something that is more self-serving. Once you go down that road, it's really tough to pull yourself back. Reporting news is a serious and extremely important part of democracy and something that we need to respect and celebrate, but it does become difficult to figure out, well, what sources can you respect and trust? How do you yourself make that call? A lot of the news today is based on, you know, just a few people, right, that have loud microphone. And that becomes very difficult. Um, So I rely a lot on wire services like the Associated Press. And I then will double source them with different national newspapers, whether it's the Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, New York Times, whatever that is, you know, kind of get a flavor of what everyone's talking about. When you start comparing stories side by side, you can clearly see the different directions the newspapers have gone. But oftentimes there is facts that parallel themselves. So if, if that's the case, then I know, okay, well, these are pretty much understood. If I can't fact check myself, then these are some things that we can probably go on. I also really rely on regional newspapers. I think a lot of great journalism is really being done on a local level. And so it's really about kind of weaving together all the available information. So I curate a bunch of information. Like this I did last night in a story in Afghanistan where there's not a lot of information. But Reuters, uh, the New York Times, a website that I really have grown to trust and I know the sources of the website, the Long War Journal, was reading all the things that they had to say about one topic and a picture starts coming together. And then you can start determining, okay, well, of this picture, like what is it that if someone is in the grocery store and they're making small talk, they really need to know from it? Because there's about 20 things I'd like them to know about it, but what's the one thing that they should know? And that's what I try to go with. What are one or two examples of maybe what have been the best 
most exciting or unexpected things that you've learned on this Smarter News journey? Oh my God. Like as a, as an entrepreneur or as a journalist or stories that we covered or any of the above. Oh my gosh. I feel like it's been such a lesson in humility on a regular basis because gosh, it's been such an incredible opportunity to get back to what I think is really what I meant to do, which is I meant to be a journalist. I meant to be a storyteller. I can be trusted and I could provide solid information for people. And it's been a joy to be able to do that in a way that's very personal. The best thing that's happened to me over the last year with Smarter News is I've received letters from, I mean, I can't even tell you how many people that have said that in the last two to three years that they've completely turned off the news and that they just felt like in a lot of ways, not only did they not like the news, but then they had a bad feeling about themselves that somehow like they were failing, like maybe they just didn't get it. Maybe they weren't smart enough. Maybe they were too busy. And what they realize now through Smarter News is that, no, like I can actually be current and enjoy it. And now I have the feedback from real, most of the time it's real women because I've developed this just thinking of the American woman in mind, but there's plenty of men that follow this too. And just saying, listen, I feel like I can contribute to conversations. I know more about current events than I ever have. I mean, that is a huge victory. That's how I want people to feel about the news. You shouldn't feel so disgusted all the time reading or watching the news. You should actually have an alternative to that. So that's been really great. On the journalism side of it for me, it's been so much fun to be able to, at times, you know, look across the news landscape and think, wow, no one's talking about anything that matters to anyone. (laughs) They're all just talking to each other and actually not producing great content for people. So I'm going to figure out like another cool story that someone should know about. And sometimes that's led us really fun directions where there's a story about this new hair dye that a scientist developed that actually is going to be able to transmit electricity. So they think that maybe your, your, your hair is not only going to stay dyed longer and in a more healthy way, but that it eventually could communicate with your devices. <laughs> I mean, it's a crazy story. This is a study that, I mean, it was one of my favorite stories over the last year. I'm like, this is a crazy story. Like, this is a story that we should all be talking about. There's so many people that use hair dye. <laughs> like, imagine the possibilities. But I mean, the world is a really interesting, curious, wonderful place. There's stories like that all over. And so it's been really refreshing to be able to chase a few of them down. And even if it's just for my own enjoyment, I mean, this, by the way, the hair dye is only exclusively available for, um, for people that want to dye their hair black. So I don't, I don't fit that category as a strawberry blonde. So I'm not going to benefit from this experiment, (laughs) but I still think this is the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's fun to be able to look at the world that way again, and not be in such a lane where if you don't talk about what's happening at the White House, you're irrelevant. I think the opposite. I think you should get a touch of what's happening at the White House on a regular basis, but there's a lot of other things that are happening that are really interesting. You turn on cable news today and it's almost White House 24-7. It paints a picture that I think is not, it's not the full story of what we're doing as as a country with over, you know, about 330 million people living in it. Not that it's not important, but for your own sanity. (laughs) But that's the thing, you know, living in New York City, I think there, even the fact that some of these news companies continue to use the word flyover country, I think is so insulting. Now that I live just outside of Austin, Texas, I mean, flyover country is actually America. (laughs) It's not like this crazy, exotic, faraway place. So the the minority group is really those in New York City, right? And those in the major media empires. And the rest of the people are the ones that are actually the quote unquote normal ones that are like, okay, well, the president did this. Okay, fine. Or the president, okay, fine. Like, but what else can you tell me? You know, and I think that's been also really important for me and really important for Smarter News that it's developed in Texas 
with a perspective from the middle of America because that perspective is not often talked about. It's talked about as this foreign thing. And I'm like, no, we're, I'm living amongst the people that we want to serve, who we love, who are not talking about what everyone else... I, I haven't heard anyone in a restaurant mention Russian collusion at all over the last year and a half. Just so we're just more clear. They might be interested in it, but it's not what people are talking about. They're talking about their jobs, what's happening in the community. They're talking about the weather. I mean, they're talking about other things. And so it's just important to remember who who our customer is and not treat them like they're they're the other. They're actually who, who we are, you know? When we have this belief of otherness, it almost gives people a fake free pass to treat people like subhumans or right. like sub-equals. And, and it's dangerous. I spent time in places like Iowa and it just, it's not Washington, D.C. And that's a good thing. But unfortunately, there's a disconnect there and I wish that there wasn't. Um, but, but it's elitism, you know, it's elitism and elitism is like contagious when you get in it. So you just got to break out of it. You know, it sounds like that's what you're doing, but also definitely, and listen, it's not easy. You get out of these big kind of circles of people and this group think, and you all of a sudden you wake up and realize, oh my gosh, look at all these things that I hadn't considered simply because I wasn't living a life like regular people. I mean, now it sounds silly, but you know, most people are not getting on the subway every day to go to work. You know, they're driving in their cars and they're taking their kids to the gym. They're doing different things. And so now that I'm living more of a life that's more like my neighbors, then I'm able to better serve them because I'm thinking, oh, well, so-and-so doesn't really need to know about that, but this would be good for them. This would be interesting for them. Not because they're not of a certain education level or socioeconomic level. It's just because in their busy life, this is probably the story that they care more about. Well, quickly before we close, you had a great opportunity to speak at South by Southwest. So I'd love if you could just share some takeaways from that exciting experience. Oh, it was, so, it was so great to be invited to speak. You know, South by Southwest is all about new ideas and innovation. I just felt like it was such an honor for Smart News to be included in that conversation. And spoke in front of a group of really engaged audience members who had a lot of great questions about Smart News and even gave me some tips. But it was great to also be able to introduce Smart News to just another audience. And that's what we're trying to do just bit by bit. Hey, check us out. See what we're doing. That's something I really reiterated at South by Southwest. You know, you can go there and you can see these companies that have grown overnight and become these, these mega empires. I hope someday that's the truth for Smarter News as well. But right now we're in our, you know, just at the end of our first year and we got a long way to go and it's kind of a unique experience to be able to see a company from the ground level and be a part of building it up. And I want our consumer to feel that way and because it's true, because they are helping us. And it's also really unique to be able to talk about the life of an entrepreneur. Like how do we come up with this idea? How are we actually doing it on a regular basis? And is it working? And I think it's working. So the future looks bright. And how can Sanity listeners find you? The best way, I mean, just go to smarternews.com. So it's smart, H-E-R, smarthernews.com. And also just across social media. Again, we've developed the site on purpose so that it will be able to be used sort of seamlessly across social media. And so check us out on Instagram as well. It's definitely another big hotspot for us. And then when you do, you should write me and tell me that you learned about us from Sanity, <laughs> which would be great. I well, that. Jenna, our final question for every guest ends on a high note. So what are you most optimistic about right now today? I'm optimistic because I think about the media environment, even though it's an easy thing to get depressed about because there's so much partisanship and opinion and vitriol, I actually think we're at a really interesting stage 
in the media landscape where it is going to be transformative over the next several years. Everything that you're seeing on broadcast news right now, I think is going to change so dramatically in five years, it's not even going to be recognizable. I mean, that's that's how I feel from being on the inside, now looking at it on the outside as an entrepreneur. And I think there's going to be so many amazing products that are going to be developed for the consumer. So I think we're in this time, of sometimes a lot of unease and anxiety, but I think there's going to be a lot of creativity too that's going to bloom from it. And uh, Smarter News, I think, is one of those things, but I think there's going to be a whole grouping of different media sources for people to choose from. And I think that's going to be good for not only the press, but also for the country. Well, thank you so much. I will continue to watch your morning coffee talk. (laughs) I appreciate that. (laughs) Hang with us. Thanks, Jenna. Thank you. 